everyone. I'm Lynn Smith, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting, created by Munchkin. No wonder the most loved baby brand in the world. As always, my producer Justin here. Hi, Justin. Hey, Lynn. Hey, you know, anyone with kids hears these three words more than any other. It's not I love you. We we all wish that it was. <laughs> yeah. It's that's not fair. So today we're going to talk about fairness. This happens in my house daily. They're spending one-on-one time with me and the other one is like, it's not fair. You're getting alone time. And it's just making my head spin. I don't know what to say every time they bring it up. Well, I don't want to pile on, Lynn, but I don't think it's fair that you're always the host and I'm always the producer. So (laughs) that's not fair. What do I say to that? See, do we have an expert to talk about that? (laughs) In my house, the it's not fair comes not between my two daughters, but it's they're always saying it's not fair to us. If we say, uh, oh, we're going to go to the playground and then we our plans change for some reason, they they just jump on like you said we could do this and now we're not. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to dig deeper into this topic with Dr. Jessica Somerville. She's a professor, and she led a breakthrough research study about children and how they perceive fairness. It's super interesting. And she's got some real practical tips on what to say when our kids say that dreaded phrase, it's not fair. And then you're going to hear a story from Katie Cloyd. She's got three kids, so you can imagine fairness is a big deal in her house. It is everywhere. So let's dive in. Dr. Jessica Somerville is a top developmental psychologist doing cutting-edge work at the Toronto Early Cognition Lab. She's incredibly accomplished as a professor, writer, and researcher. She's also a mom. Jessica, thanks for being here. Of course. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I know from day one, my kids are like, it's not fair. It's not fair. I mean, (laughs) don't you feel like this seems to be kind of a number one concern for children? Yeah, it's definitely on their mind. Kids use that's not fair in all kinds of different ways. So sometimes it really is an objection to something they don't find fair. Other times it's more along the lines of I don't like how I'm being treated or I don't like this particular outcome. So I think step number one is kind of diagnosing how are they using this and what does this mean for them? It also gives us like a second to pause (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not have the knee-jerk reaction of saying, well, too bad, life isn't fair. What do you want me to do about it? it kind of thing. Life isn't fair suggests, well, you know, life isn't positive and you just got to deal with it. It's a negative phrase. And not only that, but I I also feel like it robs children of their agency. Mm -hmm. It suggests to them, well, you just have to put up with this. How young can you be having the discussion about fairness? I know you actually have done some research on this that really surprised me. In some of our earliest research on this topic, we looked at really young kids just at the beginning of the second year of life who are maybe just producing their first word, understanding some language, but not sophisticated conversationalists. And we looked at whether they might notice situations of basic unfairness and really simple interactions. We did things like show toddler situations where someone might have a bowl of cookies or a pitcher of milk, and they would distribute the cookies or pour the milk to two recipients. And in some cases, they would do it fairly, equally, right? Give two cookies to each recipient. And in some cases, they would do it unfairly. They give more to one than the other. And what we found is that even kids as young as 15 months of age were noticing when there was unfairness, when one person got more than the other. Sort of a human instinct rather than a learned skill. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. kids are objecting to unfairness in the world that is more systemic or structural. Kids say, why does it have to be that way, right? Why yeah. can't we change yes. it? Yes. But sometimes it becomes a good reminder for the fact that like, oh, wait a minute, 
maybe we should be trying to change it if we can. And and part of me loves the fact when they stand up for themselves and say, this isn't fair. It's an assertive personality trait that I appreciate. When your child is saying that that's not fair, part of what they're doing is standing up for their self-interest. If they go and get their first job and find out they're making a dollar less than their colleague, it's actually really useful for them to be able to say, hey, that's not fair. I love that. Such a good point. Let's take another scenario. We set a rule and the kid feels that that rule is unfair, slams the door, screams it's not fair. What do you do? Wait for a moment, like catch your breath, right? Mm-hmm. Recognize that when things are in the heat of the moment, sometimes that's not the best time to have a conversation. And then when things have settled down a little bit, trying to bridge the conversation again, starting with what feels unfair to you. Tell me about your experience. Like what is going on for you about this? Sometimes it's something that can't be any other way. Like I tell my daughter, like you really do have to hold my hand in a parking lot. I don't yes. care if it's not fair because it, there's danger because of the consequences. So in those cases, making clear that the purpose of the rule, while it might feel unfair, is there to protect them, their health and well-being. And that's why it has to be this particular way. If there is some flexibility, then some negotiation can happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you want to stay up till 11. I want you to go to bed at nine. Let's talk about if we can come to some sort of a compromise, keeping in mind that you need to get a good night of sleep to be able to learn at school the next day. Walk them through, here's why I'm making this rule. Here's what I anticipate the consequences to be. If there's room for movement, sure, let's talk about it, but we've got to continue to honor this larger goal here. And I also like that it could open a conversation that maybe rules do need to change. I love that you say, okay, maybe there is a shift in bedtime that needs to happen. Right. For kids, that approach is important because they want to, even really young kids, they want to feel heard. Yes. They want to feel recognized. They want to know that their opinion and their feelings are being taken into consideration, just like everyone else in the world. Why are they feeling like this is unfair? And how can you have a productive conversation about it? It feels like a very big life skill that you're giving them. Being able to coach them into regulating their own feelings. If we were putting more tools in their toolbox when it comes to fairness, what tools would you put in there? Perspective taking would be a huge one Mm. because it really can help us appreciate the motives behind other people's behavior. So kid goes to a birthday party, one of their friends takes the biggest piece of cake, your child Mm -hmm. says that's not fair and say like, oh, well, let's imagine we were John over there and why do you think he did that? Maybe he really wanted the cake and he was really excited about it and chocolate is his favorite flavor and that sort of thing. So giving kids a greater awareness of why people might behave the way that they do. It's funny because it's easy to notice unfairness, but it's hard Mm -hmm. to act fairly sometimes, right? Sure, sure. Yes, (laughs) I've been there. We all have our own agendas and interests and just recognizing that that is a constant for everyone. Exactly. Ease them into what adulthood's going to be, right? is sometimes fair and sometimes not. They're citizens of the world, right? And so if they see something that they really feel is unfair in the world, they can look for ways to change it and they can be agents of those change. So helping them to recognize that I think is really powerful. Is there a scenario where we can let them take initiative in making it fair? 
one technique one could use is if you were trying to say split a cookie or split a cake or something like that, let one kid do the drawing the cake in half or splitting the cookie and the other Mm -hmm. one pick because you're having to take an action for another person. So it's helpful, not just in the moment of ensuring a fair outcome, but also you've turned that now into a cooperative or a collaborative action where you don't have them at odds with one another, but they're pursuing in a way a joint goal those kind of cooperative exchanges are amazing for human relationships. So that's really a valuable practice. Jessica, such insightful advice. Thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Justin, it makes me realize the concept of fairness, it's not just for kids, right? How many times have you been waiting in a really long line, then you see someone cut ahead of you and you just want to go up to them and be like, excuse me, (laughs) that's not fair. It always gets me when I'm driving and merging in at an exit and you're waiting and someone blows past you and just cuts it in and there's just no consequences for it. It's just not fair and there's no way to change it. And it's really kind of just a part of life for kids and adults. We're both going to go through it. So it reminds me to have compassion for our kids in these moments, to not just react frustrated or that I need to solve it, but maybe help them work through it and sort of honor the fact that they're feeling that way. And in the end, they can maybe have that conversation with me about what it is that they feel is not fair. And maybe we'll come to a different resolution than we would have. For sure. And um, I actually have another reason to lighten up on our kids when it comes to fairness. It doesn't come naturally to us. We're animals. Mm. Our basic survival instincts teach (laughs) us to take as much as we can. Mm -hmm. Fairness is what makes us human. And it's the gateway to these like higher emotions. And I found this quote from Samantha Song, who's a teacher in San Diego. And she said, learning and applying the concept of fairness will stretch a child's ability to be patient Mm. and lay the foundation for developing empathy and sensitivity toward others. Mm, I love that. So if we have empathy and sensitivity towards their feelings, they will learn how to do that with others. I love that. Katie Cloyd deals with fairness all the time, but she's guided her three kids to understand it in a new way. Let's find out how. Here's our correspondent, Fleece, with the parenting story of the day. It was Valentine's Day in Katie Cloyd's house, the holiday celebrating love, or was it fairness? On Valentine's Day, my boys came home from school with these buckets of little Valentine cards from their classmates, and they were dumping them on the table counting them. They have different numbers of classmates, so there was no way it was going to be the same amount, but they were deciding who could have what, who got more candy. And then my daughter gets in the mix, like, where's my bucket? How many can I have? Katie's not new to the phrase, it's not fair. I think that my kids' natural tendencies, just being children, is to say, do you have six chicken nuggets? And I only have five. If it's not the exact same amount of ice cream down to the gram, then of course they're like, "Um, this is not fair. I mean, they're kids. But something happened that inspired a new way to deal with fairness. Just before my daughter turned two, I recognized that she was very small. She was otherwise healthy, very active, but I was recognizing like she's not gaining weight at a pace that I think is probably healthy for her. So we went into the doctor and they were like, listen, you you have to get some weight on her. She's getting to a point where she's fallen off the chart. So anything she'll eat, let her eat it. I didn't explain it to my kids at first because I didn't really think that they would notice. She was sort of still the baby, but it became apparent after a couple of days, you know, her crackers have Nutella on them and theirs are just crackers. So they started to be like, hey, I want that plate. I want the pink plate. I want hers. How would she handle it? She didn't answer with the pretty common response, life's not fair. I don't think they have to learn that life's not fair. 
because I think they're going to grow up and generally make sure that most of the things in their life feel fair to them, feel equal, feel equitable, feel like it's meeting the need that they have. She also didn't answer with another popular response, because I said so. I don't because I said so, my children, because it's not going to teach them anything. I mean, of course, like the 14th time I ask you to put your shoes on, you just have to do it because I told you to put your shoes on. But the first time, if you had said, why do I need to put my shoes on? I would have said, because we're going to the grocery store or because we're going to lunch with your grandfather or wherever the case may be. If you're a little bit reasonable, you're going to get an explanation. And that's what she did. She explained. You know, at first I was like, listen, guys, she just has to eat different than you. They didn't really understand it. So... I had to sit them down and explain there are certain milestones the doctors want your sister to hit and they want you to hit them as well. You guys are hitting them naturally. You're eating plenty of food to keep your body strong and healthy, but Amelia is not very hungry. So she needs some help. So what the doctor did was gave her almost like a prescription to eat more food. So now we all need to work together to get her to eat more. The doctor wanted to see some progress. They had a deadline of three months. So then it became a game. And sometimes they use it to their advantage. Sometimes my oldest son would be like, mom, you know what I think Amelia would love right now? A donut. But for the most part, we all just work together to try to get that baby to eat. Within those three months, my boys just became her biggest cheerleader. They were feeding her bites off their plates. We're going to restaurants and they're looking at the menus to see what maybe something she would like. And if I was eating something, they're like, don't forget to feed Amelia some of that. She also talked with her kids often about equity versus equality. My son was probably only four and a half or five years old the first time that that came up. And so now at 10, we've had the conversation enough times that you could ask him, what is equality versus what is equity? And he would be able to say, well, equality is when everybody has the same amount and equity is when everybody has what they need. He might not be excited about explaining it because he knows why I'm asking, but he knows the concept. Katie said she can't make everything fair, of course, so she tries to make things fair where it's possible. In the morning, if I'm packing a lunch, I'm going to pull out the same stuff. I'm going to put them in both lunch boxes, and they're going to see that they are going to go to school with the exact same number of resources to quell their hunger until they get home. And sometimes even my three-year-old will say, I want a sandwich. I want some chips. I'll even pull those aside for her and show her that while the boys are at school, she can have that too. There's so many little examples of things where I can work to make their life feel balanced and make it feel like they all have the same amount of responsibility. Like my oldest one is able to do a lot more things around the house. So I'm not gonna ask my six-year-old to take the trash out just because it's gonna be a disaster. But while my 10-year-old is taking the trash out, my six-year-old can walk around and pick up any trash that they've left around the house, little wrappers, whatever the case may be, and contribute to the same basic goal, which is to keep our house clean. And so we make it fair, not only with things that we're giving them, but what we're asking of them. Katie said that if you pay attention, you can see how these concepts and conversations can pay off with your kids. Recently, we stopped at a gas station after school. And so one of my children asked to come in with me. And we ran into the store and he asked for this package of candy. I said, sure. And I was preparing myself to get into the car and say, don't eat that till we get home. And I was thinking, well, the other kids will have snacks available to them at that point. But I forgot to even say it. As we're driving home, I look in the rearview mirror and Without any prompting, he has taken the candy inside, split it into three even portions, and handed some to his brother and some to his sister, and they're all sitting back happily munching. And I realized at that moment when he said, can I have this, his intention was never to eat that whole package. His thought was, if mom buys this for me, then we all have a treat. His intention right away was to share and to make things 
fair. And I just felt so proud of him at that moment because I thought, he doesn't feel so connected to those candies that he'd rather hoard them for himself and watch his siblings be upset. He feels so connected to his siblings that he wanted to provide a treat and a happy moment for all three of them together. And that happy moment is what we strive for as grown-ups. So I think as an adult, we don't want to see injustice either. We don't want to feel like we're being treated unfairly. I work hard to make sure that my life feels fair to me that I'm getting the things that I need and some of the things that I want. I think that as an adult, we realize we don't have to accept things that don't feel fair. We don't have to just allow somebody to mistreat us or speak to us disrespectfully without standing up for ourselves. Even things like if I get snappy with my kids and they snap back at me, I really feel as a parent that I can't go, you're gonna talk to me with respect. Well, because I didn't model that behavior. That wasn't fair. So I, I try to make sure that I'm like, okay, you're not just my child. You are another member of this household. And so if I'm treating you unfairly, you tell me. You tell me that it's not fair. And I can't just always bristle at that. I can't always go, well, life's not fair. That's not a realistic way to treat my children either because when they are not here in my home and somebody speaks to them, comes at them sideways, I want them to say, excuse me. That's not fair. I want them to learn to advocate for themselves and create their own sense of fairness and equality in their life. And I have to start that here. Everything doesn't have to be exactly equal, but as long as everybody's needs are being met and everybody is happy and thriving and growing and moving toward their next goal, then everything around here is fair. Having the conversation is just as important as having the concept in your head or your heart as a parent. This is such an important perspective because she explained to her boys why there was a difference with her sister. What I love about the story is like taking the time to really explain it brings them into the fairness and then they can sort of take part in it. Well, it's not fair that we're out of time. <laughs> I wish we had more to talk about it, but that's the show. Thank you, Dr. Jessica Somerville, Katie Cloyd. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends, share it with your play group. And thank you to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You can find all your favorite Munchkin products at Walmart. At Stroller Coaster, we're all about community. So if you have a question or a topic, we love to hear from you. Don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. Lynn, we've got big news about Storytime, our podcast that's for kids and parents that uh, features improv actors doing our version of classic kids' stories. We just released a brand new episode. Um, oh, it's yucky. our take on the tortoise and the hare. It's called The Turtle <laughs> and the Rabbit. Just a little Aww. update. And it answers the question, what happens when a rabbit can't stop looking at his phone? Spoiler, he loses. Here's a clip. Once upon a time, there was a rabbit. Hey, hey. Who wasn't very nice. I don't like sharing. I knock over sandcastles. I leave blocks out for parents to step on. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> All right, spoiler alert taken. Justin, where can we find it? It's right here in the same feed. It's called Stroller Coaster Storytime. Give it a listen. Before we go, Munchkin invites you to join us in helping make the planet a better place for our kids. Support organizations that protect animals and their natural habitat like IFAW, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. And now that you're ready to do something for the planet, here's something you can do for yourself. Take a time out. Let's head to one of the world's most magical spots, the Amazon rainforest, home to a vibrantly colorful species of bird, the macaw. 
These highly intelligent wild birds can live for up to 60 years, and they mate for life. Let's enjoy them in their natural habitat where they belong under the Amazon's lush green canopy.